0: by the way I count it, we are down to 18 days, Uh, 18 days until Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to spend the next couple of Sundays talking about Thanksgiving, understanding why it's important, understanding how to really do it, more than just a holiday, understanding how we really do Thanksgiving. And... uh, I want to help you guys out, because it is an important holiday for all of us. And, and one of the things, I want to give you something practical here that you can understand, just for the holiday, um, because a lot of times someone will ask you, someone's going to have to say a blessing on Thanksgiving, and it might be you. you know, someone might call on you to say the blessing for Thanksgiving. And so if, before the meal, if you're asked to say the blessing, here's a blessing that you can use. And it goes like this. May your stuffing be tasty. May your turkey Be plump. May your potatoes and gravy have nary a lump. May your yams be delicious and your pies take the prize. And may your Thanksgiving dinner stay off of your thighs. You can use that. Don't tell them where you got it. Tell them you got that at church, especially. But it, it never fails when we come to Thanksgiving people ask what are you thankful for you know what is it that you're thankful for this year and we start making our list you know and and usually our lists look a lot alike at the beginning well I'm thankful for my family thankful for my friends thankful for my health thankful for my job sometimes thankful for my job you know and thankful for the things that I have and and we make our list and and it occurs to me while that List, well, making a list like that is a wonderful thing to do. It's great to count your blessings. That's really not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about thanksgiving. You read through the Bible, and thanksgiving is this very essential expression of our faith. It's, it's tied to praise. We can't praise without thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verse 4. I will enter his gates... With thanksgiving in my heart. You guys know that one. I will enter his courts with praise. We we know that song. Thanksgiving is tied to prayer. If we're going to talk to God, we have to do so with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with praise and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests before God. Thanksgiving is tied to our whole life. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what you're going through, give thanks in all circumstances. You see how that's very different than a holiday that comes around once a year? You see how that's very different than even a list that we might make uh, around that holiday? Something that important. We need to ask, where does that come from? Where does that attitude of thanksgiving come from? How do we get it? How do we cultivate that? How do we make sure that it overflows in our lives. So we're going to look today at Colossians chapter 2, beginning in in uh, just two verses, verses 6 and 7. And if you're using those Bibles that are there in the pews, we're going to be on page 984. Colossians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians that were in a little town called Colossae. And I've mentioned this before, and I think it's important for you guys to understand Colossae was this little town, just a few hundred people. At one time, Colossae was a pretty big deal. It was a, a very popular place. But by the time the church is there and by the time Paul writes to them, the town has really kind of gone down. It's, it's not as big as it was. Colossae was kind of passed up because there were two other towns nearby. There were bigger cities nearby. And uh, about 13 miles that way, there was a town called Hierapolis. Okay? Bigger town that way. And then about 12 miles that way, there was another town called Laodicea. Both of them bigger towns. Both of them with more jobs, with more opportunity. Maybe even better churches. I don't know. Well, not, not Laodicea. We know that. Anyway, but both of them had more opportunity, more jobs. People went. When they wanted to go shopping, they either went to Hierapolis or they went to Laodicea. Nothing much was happening in Corinth in Colossae, Paul writes to them though to let them know that God has not forgotten them that they are important. Now, can you guys relate to any of that at all? I just want to make sure. Okay, yeah, okay, you followed me on that little thing. Okay. So Paul writes to Colossae to let them know that they've not been forgotten, that they've not been left out, that they are on His heart and they are on God's heart also. One of my favorite verses, one of the most encouraging things in the Scripture that I've ever found, Colossians chapter two. Verse uh, five, Paul says to the Colossian church: For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how your good or, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Isn't that encouraging? If you writing, if you're ever writing to a friend who's far away, someone you haven't seen for a while, but you want to encourage their faith throw Colossians 2.5 in because that's a wonderful scripture to say, even though I'm not with you in body, I am with you in spirit, and I delight to see your faith. I delight to see how you're growing in faith. He wanted them to know that they were connected to something that was greater than just what was happening there, that they were a part of something bigger. And he wanted, out of that connection that they had to Christ and to his church, he wanted thanksgiving to flow for them. So Paul says in verses 6 and 7, "...therefore..." As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I love that. Abounding in thanksgiving. Not struggling to make a list once a year of the things that they're thankful for. Not trying to remember that no matter what they're going through, they ought to be thankful for something, no matter what's happening in their lives, but abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving actually overflowing in their lives. That's a very different thing than what we're used to when we talk about thanksgiving. Where does that come from? Where does that kind of relationship come from? Paul says it comes from our connection to Jesus. It comes from our connection to Christ. That's where it all starts. The Colossians had a story of their conversion. Uh, just like you have a story of your conversion, just like you've heard me tell the story before many, many times of the night that I said yes to Jesus. Way back when, way back in 1984, when I finally said yes to Jesus. And I could tell you that story just as Paul could tell you his, just as the Colossians could tell you theirs. So far this year in our church, so far this year, eight people have said yes to Jesus. We've had eight people baptized. On top of that, we've had several who have joined us, several who have moved their membership here, several who have said, I want to be a part of what's happening here. Now, I want you guys to know something. I don't want to give you a big head or anything, but the average church, the average church in America, per year, the average church has one new member for every 85 existing members. That's an average church in America. Every year, one new member for every 85 members. Now, let me ask you, who here goes to an above-average church? Who goes to an above... Yeah, that's right. When someone asks you, who goes to an above-average church, we go to an above-average church. Who has an above-average preacher? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't you forget it. (laughs) Every one of those Every one of those new members, every one of those people that say yes to Jesus, every one of those needs to be celebrated, and we do celebrate them. Especially those baptisms we have on on Wednesday nights. We have a very good habit of, of celebrating baptisms on Wednesday nights. There's usually cookies, and there's coffee, or... You know, tea or something for people that don't drink coffee, Whatever is wrong with them. Um, there's also, sometimes there's even cake. You know, we'll even have cake, but we celebrate those new life. And, and Paul says that's important. If you've said yes to Jesus, that needs to be celebrated. But that's just the beginning. What happens next? I think about something Danny Mars said to me one time a, a long time ago. Danny said, after, after he'd been a Christian for a little while, he said, I thought this was supposed to be easy. He says, nobody told me this was, this was going to be hard. You said this was free. You said the salvation thing was free and that I could just become a Christian. Then all of a sudden it got hard and, and it got complicated. And, and yeah, it gets hard. Receiving Christ is free, but there's more. And you see that in verse 6. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's the free part, so walk in Him. Walk in Him. Without that, Without walking in Him, we never grow. We never get deeper in our faith. We never find that strength that we need. We never learn what it takes to do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.18 where he says, be thankful in all circumstances. That requires work. Paul defines that kind of connectedness by talking about being rooted in the faith. And I thought about that this week. I thought about trees, you know because trees are, it's a very obvious example of being rooted, you know, and if a tree is healthy, if everything is working right, that tree's roots go down deep and it locks that tree in place and it doesn't matter what kind of wind comes, it doesn't matter what kind of storm comes, if if the roots are good, that tree will stand. That tree will stay standing no matter what the storm. And what Paul's saying is you need to be rooted in faith. You need to be rooted in who Jesus is. And when the storms of life come, when troubles come, when all of a sudden everything is upside down, you're still going to be rooted in your faith. You're still going to be strong in that. And that's what he's calling for in our lives, for that kind of a connection to Jesus, to be rooted in who He is. Now, they had a problem in the Colossian church. People were spreading wrong beliefs about who Jesus was and there were people in that church that were saying well Jesus is Jesus is a spirit just like other spirits there's a lot of spirits out there well there's spirits there's angels that you can worship and there's spirits of your ancestors and you can call on the spirits of your ancestors and and they'll watch over you they'll take care of you and Jesus is just like them Jesus is nothing at all like that that's That's not who Jesus is. There is no one else like Him. Jesus is entirely unique. And if you look on down, Paul says in verse 8, "...see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, that is in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him." who is the head of all rule and authority. There's a lot of of people preaching a lot of different stuff. There's a lot of very popular preachers out there. Some of them are on TV. Some of them write books. Some of them are very high profile. Some of them have really nice teeth and great hair. Some of them, you just go to Walmart. You can buy their books. You know, they're, they're right there. at Walmart, you're picking up everything else. Why not pick up a book at, at Walmart? And, and some of them say things that, that motivate you. They, they say things that might even make you feel better, things that, things that maybe even comfort you, and you like it so much, you know, you, you copy it and you paste it onto Facebook, and, and all your friends like it too because it sounds good, right? Everybody was up in arms a few weeks ago about what was going on in Houston, about the mayor subpoenaing the sermons of, of some of the preachers there in town, and people were all worked up about it. I was reading last week a little bit more about that, and they were specifically talking about one particular preacher in Houston whose name I'm not going to mention, but, but the comment was made, if preaching Christ were illegal, there would, be, there would not be enough evidence to convict him <laughs> of, of preaching Christ. And, and I'm not going to run someone down from the pulpit, but I have to agree. You know, the, there is nothing of Christ in, in a lot of that. And that's what Paul's warning about. Those who would take you captive by philosophy. Now, in and of itself, not all philosophy is bad, but if it's hollow, if it doesn't lead us to Christ, if Christ isn't at the center of who we are and what we think about, then we've got a problem. And he talks about empty deceit. But you know, that empty deceit, that sells. People buy that stuff. They they will like it because it sounds good, but there's no truth behind it. And when life really starts to get tough, all of that stuff crumbles. My job here is to make sure that the teaching you get is rooted in Christ. It's rooted in who Jesus is. And I take that seriously so that when the storms come, your life is rooted in that relationship. And after the storm you are still abounding in thanksgiving. Thankfulness overflows from that connection to Jesus. And when that happens, thanksgiving comes out of that. Thanksgiving doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't dry up and disappear. It abounds. And it abounds in our commitment to new life. There's a saying with trees, I guess, that, that I've heard before. Maybe you've heard this also, saying, this saying with trees, as above, so below. Have you ever heard that when they talk about trees? When you see those branches up above, as strong as they are and as plentiful as they are, that's, that's what needs to be happening down below. Now, I even read somewhere that a lot of trees, there's twice as much tree underground than there is above. I've, I've read that before, but that's one of the things that you hear. As above, so below. We've seen the problem around here before, though, because things tend to get a little wet around here. We got some areas where things get really, really wet and you'll see a tree that looks beautiful and the branches are huge and the tree is just growing and growing and growing and then a storm comes by like one of the big wind storms that we have, one that we had not too long ago and all of a sudden that tree is laying down and you look at the roots of that tree and there, there's nothing there. I I could take you out to Walnut Point and I could show you trees that have very few roots, but they were magnificent looking, they were huge, but there's no root because the roots don't have to go very deep to get the nutrients, to get the water that they need. And so the whole time the tree looks healthy, but it's deceptive. The wind comes over and knocks it over the tree, it uproots it. What we thought was healthy all along really wasn't because there was nothing to hold on to. That happens to us too. It happens to, to people when there, are no, when there is no root, when they don't have that connection to Jesus. You know, we can do all the, we can do all the right things. We can grow. We can, we can flourish. We can even start to produce the, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. I'm going to stop at patience. Because it doesn't take long for pressures to hit us and suddenly we realize we have run out of Patience. <laughs> you are on my last nerve and our patience is gone and you see people going through some horrible storms and all of a sudden the patience is gone maybe that's happened to someone you know maybe it's happened to you i don't know for sure but but what happened in those situations when the the fruit of the spirit just disappears what happens is i think we tried to do that ourselves we tried to be as loving as we could be on our own and that, that's pretty good, but we can't love everybody. I mean, I've got a list of people I can't love, you know, and joy, joy. I can be joyful for a little while, but after a while, yeah, joyful always. And that patient thing, no, <laughs> that's gone pretty quick. You know, we, our Sunday school class just finished a, a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I feel like we learned a lot, but most of all, I feel like we learned what we're not capable of doing on our own. That is, we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit on our own. Everything, we looked at one. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's look at patience. And the reaction that the entire class would have was, well, that's certainly not me. I'm not that patient. Uh, kindness? Well, sometimes. Not all the time. I kick the dog every now and then, you know. Uh, goodness? No. Faithfulness? Self-control? Don't even talk to me about self-control. We don't have those. And the problem is, we try to produce the fruit of the Spirit on our own strength rather than through being rooted to Christ. Rather than being rooted and connected to Christ. We can do it on our own for a little while. We can produce a little love. We can produce a little joy. But if the life we live as Christians is not born out of that connection to Jesus, sooner or later it will fail. Sooner or later it will be uprooted And it will never overflow or abound in thanksgiving. So for thanksgiving to abound in us, we need to have that connection to Christ. We also need to be committed to growing in this this new life. That growth's not just about me becoming more like Jesus. Thanksgiving abounds from us being part of a community of faith. There's a thing that trees do, and as I was reading about trees this week, there's this thing that trees do that um, scientists haven't quite figured out yet. And One of the things that that trees do is when a, when a group of trees grow close together, the, the roots start to intertwine. And, you know, you'll see that when you're out in the woods sometimes. You'll see that in your in your backyard sometimes. You know, the, the, the roots start intertwining. And after a while, as those roots grow, they, they rub up against each other. And pretty soon, the, the roots fuse so that this tree over here is being it's being given nutrients from a tree over on this side. And you know, they they share that. Another thing that happens that scientists are like, this is just amazing. We haven't quite figured out how it works. But a, a tree way over here will leach sugars into the ground. Okay? It it gives off sugars. And there's a tree way over here that needs those sugars. And under the ground, there's this there's this fungus, right? Fungi, whatever. Uh, <laughs> there's all this fungus under the ground. And so that fungus picks up those sugars over here and transports it to this tree way over here, maybe, you know, several feet away, maybe far, far away. But it picks up those those sugars and it transports it to that tree way over there. And and so those trees nurture each other. They feed each other. Another thing that, that you've probably seen is a tree will get cut down and then you'll notice that the, the stump kind of builds this scab looking thing over the top of it and protects itself and the the roots underneath the ground are still connected to all those other trees and that tree that may be long gone it's it's not there you can't see it at all it's still feeding the the entire forest it's still feeding and, and taking part in the the growth and health of the of the entire uh, forest of, of the other trees in the area and I, I think that's such a beautiful picture of what we do for each other as as a church, we connect each other, we, we nurture each other, we, we feed and, and bless each other, we draw strength and support from each other. Ed reminded us last week, we're talking about missions and talking about love, that even people far off are, are fed and blessed. Ed, you're kind of like that fungus when you take that, uh, <laughs> when we send missionaries out, you know, we send people that are going to bless others with what we've got. And, and you and I, we can point to people who have long been gone. People who have, who have passed away, who are a part of this church, who continue, but their story of faith continues to strengthen us. We continue to be blessed by who those people were and the faith that they lived, and we continue to tell stories and, and draw strength from them. Maybe even years from now, people will tell stories about us, the good stories. You know, They'll tell stories about how they were blessed and, and our faith, and they'll draw strength from that. Paul says again in in verses 6 and 7, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. Established in the faith. That's talking about that character of, of Christ that's growing in you. That character of Christ that needs to be seen in you. You don't get that without rubbing up against other Christians without being side by side with other Christians, without being close to them. And, and he defines it further and he says, just as you were taught. In other words, you've seen this. This has been modeled for you. Other people have lived this out and you saw it and you were taught this. This isn't anything new. You know you need to be a part of this. You know that you need to be here. You know you need to be with others. One Over the last few years, one, of the, one scripture that has come to mean an awful lot to me and I, I find myself in conversations going back to it a lot. And I find myself, when when I'm trying to offer encouragement to others, I find myself going back to it a lot. It's Hebrews chapter 10. I I just can't leave it alone. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. That's great, right? Let's consider how we're going to stir one another up to do love and, and good works. And then he says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, I can't tell you how many times people tell me how tough life is, how, how difficult they've got it. And then they start talking about their own problems, and they start talking about the problems of our nation, the problems of our world, and they start talking about the moral decay and, and how things are getting worse and worse every day, and, and sooner or later someone will say, well, you know, the end's near. <laughs> You know, Jesus is coming back soon. The day is drawing near. But it's like there's this disconnect when I say, are you involved in a church? Well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to go to church? Why would I want to do that? There's this disconnect. You mean I, I ought to be part of a church? You mean I, I ought to be involved? He says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know what a habit is, Right? You got any bad habits? No one here has any bad habits, right? But a bad habit is something that you do all the time. You know, you do regularly. It's not just occasionally. It's not when else, you know, something else isn't going on. But a a habit is something that becomes a part of who you are. For better or for worse, habits become a part of who we are. And people recognize us by our habits. Whether it be some kind of a tick that we've got, something that we say, something that we do, you know, that becomes a part of who we are says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, it's hard to identify who they belong to. It's hard to identify what their life is about when they're in the habit, when they're not in the habit of, of meeting together. And sometimes the question becomes, well what's in it for me? What am I gonna get out of it if I show up? What am I gonna get out of it? I didn't think that maybe we would be mature enough to ask the question What's in it for that other person if I come with my story, with what I've been through, with my understanding of, of Christ? What's in it for that other person? What might I be able to give to them if we're close enough that, that we kind of fuse together like those roots and so that we can support each other? What's going to be in it for that person who needs strength when, when difficult things happen? What's going to be there for that person when they need support? what could happen to their life if you were more involved in what we're doing here what could happen to their life if you were more present i'll tell you what could happen to their life they could abound in thanksgiving your presence here your involvement here could cause someone else to abound in thanksgiving and together with the support that we have for each other, with the strength that we offer and the connection that we have to Christ, we could all have the kind of faith that abounds in thanksgiving. The kind of faith that withstands the storms and troubles of life and truly understand what we truly have to be thankful for. That's why we come together. That's what brings us here. In a few moments, we're going to come to the table. That's what brings us to the table we don't come to the table just because well it's it's in the bulletin we do this (laughs) we don't come to the table because well that's just the kind of church we are we we come to the table that's that's who we are we come to the table because of what we bring here and what we find here because of the strength we find through the community that we find here and because of the connection we have to each other reflects our connection to jesus because you and i have all said yes to him And when we come together, something special happens that overflows in thanksgiving. The song we're going to sing comes from a a wonderful Scripture that reminds us that He is our peace. I talk to a lot of people who are in need of peace in their lives. A lot of people whose lives seem to be in turmoil. A lot of people who have all kinds of of troubles and struggles that they're going through. And they want peace. The, The promise of Scripture is that Jesus becomes our peace, that He is our peace, that He is the Prince of Peace. And if you're looking for peace, no matter what the problem, no matter what the turmoil in your life, the first place you ought to look is Jesus. And I think the best place you're going to see His peace is through other Christians who are going to love you, who are going to bless you through whatever you're going through. Let's, let's sing together.